No Exit and Three Other Plays by John Paul Sartre. Characters in Play Putri Galo Avandi as Fale, Novel Muhammad Novel Sultan Shah as Karsin, Maulidia Rohma as Estelle, Nilunda Arshibarahita as Ines, and last is Maulana Kanputana as the narrator. Scene A drawing room in Second Empire style. A massive bronze ornament stands on the mantelpiece. Karsin enters the room accompanied by the room valet and glances around him. Hmm. So here we are. Yes, Mr. Karsin. And this is what it looks like. Yes. Second Empire furniture. I observe. Well, well, I dare say one gets used to it in time. Some do, some don't. Are all the other rooms like this one? How could they be? We cater for all sorts, Chinamen and Indians, for instance. What use would they have for a second empire chair? And what use do you suppose I have for one? Do you know who I was? Oh, uh, well, it's no great matter. And to tell the truth, I had quite a habit of living among furniture that I didn't relish and in false position. I'd even come to like it. A false position in a Louis Philippe dining room, you know the style? Well, that had its points, you know. Bogus and bogus, so to speak. And you'll find that living in a second empire drawing room has its point. Really? Yes, yes, I dare say. He takes another look around. Still, I certainly didn't expect this. You know what they tell us down there? What about? About... Makes a sweeping gesture. This, um, residence. Really? Sir, how could you believe such cock and ball stories? Told by people who would never set foot here, for, of course, if they had... Quite so! But love. <laughs> Abruptly, the love dies from Karsin's face. But, I say, where are the instruments of torture? The what? The racks and red-hot pincers and all other paraphernalia. Ah, you must have your little joke, sir. My little joke? Oh, I see. No, 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 I wasn't joking. A short silence. He strolls around the room. No mirrors, I notice. No windows, only to be expected. And nothing breakable. But damn it all, they might have left me in my toothbrush. That's good. So you have not yet got over your, what do you call it? Sense of human dignity. Excuse me smiling. I'll ask you to be more polite. I quite realize the position I'm in, but I won't tolerate. Sorry, sir. No offense, man. But all our guests ask me the same question. Silly question, if you'll pardon me saying so. Where's the torture camber? That's the first thing they ask, all of them. They don't bother their heads about the bathroom requisites that I can't assure you. But after a bit, when they've got their nerve back, 
they start in about their toothbrushes and whatnot. Good heavens, Mr. Carson, cannot you use your brains? What, I ask you, will be the point of brushing your teeth? Yes, of course, you're right. He looks around again. And why should one want to see oneself in the looking glass? But that bronze contraption on the mantelpiece? That's another story. I suppose there will be times when I stare my eyes out of it. Stare my eyes out. See what I mean? Alright, let's put our cards on the table. I assure you that I'm quite conscious of my position. Shall I tell you what it feels like? A man's drowning, choking, sinking by inches till only his eyes are just above the water. And what does he see? A bronze atrocity by by inches. Eh, salah. And why should one want to see oneself in a looking glass? But that bronze contraption on the mantelpiece? That's another story. I suppose there will be times when I stare my eyes out of it. Stare my eyes out. See what I mean? Alright, let's put our cards on the table. I assure you, I'm quite conscious of my position. Shall I tell you what it feels like? A man's drowning, choking, sinking by inches, till only his eyes are just above the water. And what does he see? A bronze atrocity by... Mm, what's the fellow's name? Barbadian. A collector's piece as in nightmare. That's their idea, isn't it? No. I suppose you're under orders not to answer that questions. And I won't insist. But don't forget, my man. I've a good nation of what's coming to me. So don't you boast you've caught me off my guard. I'm facing the situation, facing it. He starts pacing the room again. So that's that. No toothbrush. And no bed either. One never sleeps, I take it? That's so. Just like I expected. Why should one sleep? A sort of drowsiness steals on you, tickles you behind the ears, and you feel your eyes closing. But why sleep? You lie down on the sofa and, in a flash, sleep flies away. Miles and miles away. So you rub your eyes, get up, and it starts all over again. Romantic. That's what you are. Will you keep it quiet, please? I'll, I won't make a scene. I shan't be sorry for myself. I'll face the situation as I said just now. Face it fairly and squarely. I won't have it springing at me from behind before I have time to size it up. And you call that being romantic. So it comes to this. One doesn't need rest. Why bother about sleep if one isn't sleepy, right? That stands to reason, doesn't it? Wait a minute, there's a snack somewhere. Something disagreeable. Why now should it be disagreeable? Ah, I see. It's life without a break. What do you mean by that? What do I mean? You saying that's what do I mean? Really? Eyes defaulted suspiciously. I thought as much. That's why there's something so beastly, so damn bad-mannered in the way you stare at me. They're paralyzed. 
What are you talking about? Your eyelids, girl. We move ours up and down. Blinking, we call it. It's like a small black shutter that clicks down and makes a break. Everything goes black once eyes are moistened. You can't imagine how restful or refreshing it is. 4,000 little rests per hour, 4,000 little respites. Just think. So that's the idea. I'm to live without eyelids. Don't act a fool, you know what I mean. No eyelids, no sleep, it follows, doesn't it? I shall never sleep again. But then, how shall I endure my own company? Try to understand. You see, I'm fond of teasing. It's a second nature with me and I'm used to teasing myself. Plaguing myself if you prefer. And I don't tease nicely. But I can't go on doing that without, without a break. Down there I had my nights. I slept. I always had good nights. By way of compensation I suppose. And happy little dreams. There was a green field. Just an ordinary field. I used to stroll in it. Is it daytime now? Can't you see? The lights are on. Ah, yes, I've got it. It's your daytime. And outside? Outside? Damn it, you know what I mean. Beyond that wall. There's a passage. And at the end of the passage? There's more rooms, more passage, and stairs. And what lies beyond them, may I ask? That's all. But surely you have a day off sometimes. Where do you go? To my uncle's place. He's the head father here. He has a room on the third floor. Ah, I should have guessed as much. Where's the light switch? There is not any. What? Can't one turn off the light? Oh, the management can cut off the current if they want to. But I cannot remember. They're having done so on this floor. We have all the electricity we want. So one has to live with one's eyes open all the time? To live? Did you say? Don't let squibble over words. With one's eyes open, forever. Always brought daylight in my eyes and in my head. Short silence. And suppose I took that contraption on the mantelpiece and dropped it on the lamp. Wouldn't it go up? You cannot move it. It's too heavy. Carson seizing the bronze ornament and trying to lift it. Ah, uh, uh, you're right. It's too heavy. A short silence follows. Very well, sir. If you don't need me anymore, I'll be off. Wait, 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 wait. What? You're going? The valet goes up to the door. Wait, wait. Just wait. The valet looks around. That's a bell, isn't it? Valet nods. And if I ring, you're bound to come? Well, yes. That's so in a way. But you can never be sure about that bell. There's something wrong with the wear ink, and it doesn't always work. Carson goes to the bell push and presses the button. Hmm, it's working alright. Fale looking surprised. So it is. She too presses the button. But I shouldn't count on it too much if I were you. It's capricious, 
Well, I really must go now. Carson makes a gesture to detain her. Yes, sir. No, never mind. He goes to the mantelpiece and picks up a paper knife. What's this? Cannot you see? An ordinary paper knife. Are there books here? No. Then what's the use of this? Vale shrugs her shoulders. Farewell, you can go. Vale goes out. Carson is by himself. He goes to the bronze ornament and stroke it reflectively. He sits down, then gets up, goes to the bell push and presses the button. The bell remains silent. He tries two or three times without success. Then he tries to open the door, also without success. Valet! Hello! He calls the valet several times, but gets no result. He beats the door with his fist, still calling. Hello! Suddenly, he grows calm and sits down again. At the same moment of the door open, Ines enters, followed by the valet. Did you call, sir? Carson on the point answering yes, but then his eyes fall on Ines. Yeah, no. Fale turning to Ines. This is your room, madam. Ines says nothing. If there's any information you require. Ines still keeps silent, and the Fale looks slightly huff. Most of our guests have quite a lot to ask me, but I won't insist. Anyhow, as regards the toothbrush and the electric bell and the thing on the mantel shelf, this gentleman can tell you anything you want to know as well as I could. We have had a little chat, him and me. Fali goes out. Carson refrains from looking at Ines, who is inspecting the room. Abruptly, she turns to Carson. Where's Florence? Carson doesn't reply. Didn't you hear? I asked you about Florence. Where is she? I don't have any idea. Ah, that's the way it works, is it? Torture by separation? Well, as far as I'm concerned, you won't get anywhere. Florence was a tiresome little fool, and I shan't miss her in the least. I beg your pardon? Who do you suppose I am? You? When the torture? Of course! Carson looks startled and bursts out laughing. <laughs> wow! That's a good one! Two comic forwards. I am the torturer! So you came in, had a look at me, and you thought I was um, one of the staff. Of course, it's that silly fellow's fault. He should have introduced us. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Two comic words. I am the torturer. So you came in, had a look at me, and you thought I was uh, one of the staff. Of course, it's that silly fellow's fault. She should have introduced us. A torturer indeed. I'm Joseph Garson, journalist and man of letters by profession. And as we're both in the same boat, so to speak, my I ask you, Mrs. Ines Testily. Not Mrs. I'm unmarried. Right. That's a start anyway. 
Well, now that we've broken the ice, do you really think I look like a torturer? And by the way, how does one recognize torturers when one sees them? Evidently, you have ideas on the subject? They look frightened. Frightened! But how ridiculous! Of whom should they be frightened? Of their victims? Lovely, but I know what I'm talking about. I've often watched my face in the glass. <laughs> in the glass! He looks around him. How beastly of them! They've removed everything in the least resembling a glass. A short silence. Anyhow, I can assure you I'm not frightened. Not that I take my position lightly, I realize it's gravity only too well. But I'm not afraid. Ines shrugging her shoulders. This should affair. Silence. Must you be here all the time? Or do you take a stroll side? No one then. Oh, the door's locked. Oh, that's too bad. I can quite understand that it bores you having me here. And I too. Well, quite frankly, I'd rather be alone. I want to think things out, you know, to set my life in order, and no one does that better by oneself. But I'm sure we'll manage to pull along together somehow. I'm no talker, I don't move much. In fact, I'm a peaceful sort of fellow. Only if I may venture on a suggestion, we should make a point of being extremely courteous to each other. That will ease the situation for both of us. I'm not polite. Then I must be polite for two. How about that? A longest silence. Karsin is sitting on a sofa while Ines passes up and down the room. Ines is fixing her eyes on him. Your mouth! Karsin, as if waking from a dream. Can you keep your mouth still? You keep twisting it about all the time. It's grotesque. So sorry, I wasn't aware of it. That's just what I reproach you with. Karsin's mouth twitches. There you are. You talk about politeness, and you don't even try to control your face. Remember, you are not alone. You have no right to inflict the sight of your fear on me. Karsin getting up and going towards her. And how about you? Aren't you afraid? What would be the use? There was some point in being afraid before, while well, one still had hope. There's no more hope, but it's still before. We haven't yet begun to suffer. That's so... A short silence. Well, what's going to happen? I don't know. I'm waiting. Silence again. Carson sits down and Ines resumes her passing up and down the room. Carson's mouth twitches. After a glance at Ines, he buries his face and in his hands. Enter Estelle with the folly. Estelle looks at Carson, whose face is still hidden by his hand. Estelle to Carson. No, don't look up. I know what you're hiding with your hands. I know you have no face left. Carson removes his hands. What? A short pause, then in a tone of surprise. But I don't know you. I'm not a torturer, madam. I never thought you were. I, I thought 
Someone was trying to play a rather nasty trick on me. To the valley. Is anyone else coming? No, madam. No one else is coming. Oh, then we are to stay by ourselves. The three of us. This gentleman, this lady, and myself. <laughs> There's nothing to laugh about. <laughs> It's those of us. They're so hideous. And just look how they've been arranged. It makes me think of New Year's Day. When I used to visit that boring old town of mine, Aunt Mary. Her house is full of horrors, like that. I suppose each of us has a sofa of his own. Is that one mine? To the valley. But you cannot expect me to sit on that one. It will be too horrible for words. I'm in pale blue and it is vivid green. Will you prefer mine? That clear cold one, you mean? That's very sweet of you. But really, no. I don't think it'd be so much better. What's the good of worrying anyhow? We've got to take what comes to us. And I'll stick to green to the green one. The only one which might to add a pinch is that gentleman's. Do you hear Mr. Garson? Garson with a slight start. Oh, the sofa, you mean? <laughs> so sorry. He rises. Uh, please take it, madam. Thanks. She takes off her coat and drops it on the sofa. A short silence. Well, as we are to live together, I suppose we'd better introduce ourselves. My name is Regal, Estelle Regal. Person bows and is going to announce his name, but Ines steps in front of him. And I'm Ines Serrano. Very pleased to meet you. Carson bowing again. The name is Carson. Joseph Carson. Do you require me any longer? No, you can go. I'll ring when I want you. Exit fully, with Paulette bows to everyone. You are very pretty. I wish we'd had some flowers to welcome you with. Flowers? Yes, I love flowers. Only they'd fade so quickly here. Wouldn't they? It is so stuffy. Oh, well, the great thing is to keep as cheerful as we can. Don't you agree? Of course, you two are. Yes, last week. What about you? I'm quite recent, yesterday. As a matter of fact, the ceremony is not quite over. Her tone is natural enough, but she seems to be seeing what she describes. The wind's blowing my sister feel all over the place. She's trying her best to cry. Come, dear, make another effort. That's better. Two tears, two little tears all twinkling under the black veil. Oh dear, what a sight Olga looks this morning. She's holding my sister's arm, helping her along. She's not crying, and I don't blame her. Tears always means one's face up, don't they? Olga was my bosom friend, you know. Did you suffer much? 
What was it? Pneumonia. In the same tone as before. It's over now. They're leaving the cemetery. Goodbye. Goodbye. Quite a crowd there. My husband stayed at home. Prostrate with grief. Poor man. To Ines. How about you? The gas stove. And you, Mr. Garson? Twelve bullets through my chest. Estelle makes a horrified gesture. Sorry, I feel I'm not good company among the dead. Please, please don't use that word. It's so, so crude. In terribly bad taste, really. It doesn't mean much, anyhow. Somehow, I feel we've never been so much alive as now. If we've absolutely got to mention this, this state of things, I suggest we call ourselves. Wait. Absentis, have you been? Been absent for long? About a month. Where do you come from? From Rio. I'm from Paris. Have you anyone left down there? Yes, actually. My wife. In the same tone as Estelle has been using. She's waiting at the entrance of the barracks. She comes there every day. But they won't let her in. Now she's trying to peep between the bars. She doesn't yet know I'm absent. But she's expected. Now she's going away. She's wearing her black dress. So much the better she won't need to change. It turns me on, you know. She isn't crying. But she never did cry anyhow. It's a bright sunny day and she's like a black shadow creeping down the empty street. Those big tragic eyes of hers with that martyred look they have always had. Ah, oh, how she got on my nerves. A short silence. Carson sits on the sofa and buries his head in his hands. Estelle! Please, Mr. Garson! What is it? You're sitting on my sofa. Oh, I beg your pardon. Ah, uh, God, I said that too much. You look so, so far away. Sorry, I disturbed you. I was setting my life in order. <laughs> yes, yes, you may laugh. But you'd do better to follow my example. No need. My life's in perfect order. It tidied itself up nicely of its own accord. So I needn't bother about it now. Really? You imagine it's so simple as that? He runs his hand over his forehead. Whew! How hot is it here? <laughs> do you mind if, um... He begins taking off his coat. How dare you? No, please don't. A lot man in their shirt, sleeves. Carson putting on his coat again. Alright. Of course, I used to spend my nights in the newspaper office, and it was a regular black hole, so we never kept our coats on. Stiffingly hot it could, it could be. Stifling, that it is. It's night now. That's so. Olga's undressing. 
It must be after midnight. How quickly the time passes on Earth? Yes, after midnight. They've sealed up my room. It's dark, pitch dark, and empty. They've strung their coats on the backs of the chair and rolled up their shirt sleeves above the elbow. The air stinks of men and cigarette smoke. Hmm. I used to like living among men in their shirt sleeves. Well, in that case, our dates differ. That's all it proves. Turning to Ines. What about you? Do you like men in their shirt sleeves? Oh, I don't care much for men anyway. I'm still looking at the other two with a puzzled air. Really, I cannot imagine why they put us three together. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> What's that you said? I'm looking at you two and think that we're going to live together. It's so absurd. I expected to meet all friends or relatives. Yes, him too. He tends to think so differently, like a professional. But why? Why should we of all people be put together? A pure fluke, perhaps. They lodge folks as they can, in the order of their coming. <laughs> why did you laugh? Because you amuse me with your flukes. As if they left anything to change, but suppose you've got to research yourself somehow. I wonder now. Don't you think we may have met each other at some time in our lives? Never. I shouldn't have forgotten you. Or perhaps we have friends in common. I wonder if you know the Dubai Summers. Mm, not likely. But everyone went to their parties. I didn't. I was a post office clerk. I still recalling a little. Oh no, I don't think we've ever met before. I always lived in Rio. Then you must be right. It's mere chance that has brought us together. Mere chance? Then it's by chance this room is furnished as we see it. It's an accident that the sofa on the right is a livid green. And that one on the left, wine red. Merchants, well, just try to sift the sofas and you'll see the difference quick enough. And the statue on the mantelpiece, do you think it's there by accident? And what about the head here? How about that? Um, I tell you, they've thought it all out, down to the last detail. Nothing was left to chance. This room was all set for us. But really, everything here so hideous. All the angels so uncomfortable. Always loaded angels. Ines shrugging her shoulders. And do you think I live in a second impaired drawing room? So it was all fixed up beforehand? Yes, and they've put us together deliberately. Then it is not mid then it's not mere chance that you briefly are sitting beside me. But we can be the idea behind it. Ask me another. I only know their writing. I never could bear the idea of anyone's expecting something from me. It always made me want to do just the opposite. Well, do it. Do it if you can. You don't even know what they expect. 
Estelle stomping her foot. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. So, something's coming to me from you too. She eyes each intern. Something nasty, I suppose. There are some faces that tell me everything at once. Yours don't convey anything. Carson turning abruptly towards Ines. Okay, look here. Why are we together? You've given us quite enough hints, you might as well come out with it. But I know nothing. Absolutely nothing about it. I'm as much in the dark as you are. At least we've got to know somehow. He ponders for a while. If only each of us had the guts to tell. Tell each of us what? Estelle? Yes? What have you done? I mean, why have they sent you here? That's just it. I have an notion, not the fuckies. In fact, I'm wondering if there hasn't been some ghastly mistake. Just think of the number of people who will become absentees every day. There must be thousands and thousands, and probably they're sorted out by, by, and the strippers. You know what I mean. Stupid employees who don't know their job, so they're bound to make mistakes sometimes. Don't stop smiling. Why don't you speak, Mr. Garson? If they made a mistake in my case, they may have done the same about you. And you too, Ines. Anyhow, it's not it better to think we've got here by mistake. Isn't that all you have to tell us? What else should I tell? I've nothing to hide. I lost my parents when I was a kid, and I had my young brother to bring up. We were terribly poor and we, an old friend of my people asked me to marry him. I said yes. He was very well off and quite nice. My brother was a very delicate child and needed all sorts of attention. So really that was the right thing for me to do. Don't you agree? My husband was old enough to be my father, but for six years, we had a happy married life. Then, two years ago, I met the man I was faith to love. We knew it the moment we set eyes on each other. He asked me to run away with him, and I refused. Then I got pneumonia and it finished me. That's the whole story, no doubt, by certain standards. I did wrong to sacrifice my youth to men nearly three times my age. Do you think that could be called a sin, Mr. Garcin? Certainly not. And now, uh, tell me, do you think it's a crime to stand by one's principles? Of course not. Certainly no one could blame a man for that. Exactly. I ran a pacifist newspaper, and then the war broke out, what was I supposed to do? Everyone was watching me. They wondered, will he dare? Well, I dared. I folded my arms and then they shot me. Had I done anything wrong? Estelle laying her hands on his arm. Wrong. On the contrary, we were a hero. And how about your wife, Mr. Garcin? You see, Ines? Yes, I see. Look here. What's the point of playing acting? Trying to throw dust in each other's eyes? Where we are all tarred with the same brass. How dare you? Yes, we are criminals, murderers. All three of us. We are in hell, my pets. They never make mistakes and people aren't dumb for nothing. Stop! For heaven's sake. 
A damn soul! That's you, my little pleasure saint. And ditto our friends there, the noble pacifists. We've had our hour of pleasure, haven't we? There have been people who burned their lives out for our sakes and we chuckled over it. So now we have to pay in the reckoning. Will you keep your mouth shut, damn it? Inez confronting him fearlessly, but with a look of vast surprise. Well, well. Ah, I understand now. I know why they've put us three together. I advise you to, to think twice before you say any more. Right. You'll see how simple it is. Childishly simple. Obviously, there aren't any physical torments you agree, don't you? And yet, we're in hell. And no one else will come here. We'll stay in this room together, the three of us, forever and ever. In short, there's someone absent here. The official torturer. I'd noticed that. It's obvious when they're after an economy of manpower or devil power, if you prefer. The same idea as in the cafeteria where customers serve themselves. Whatever do you mean? I mean that each of us will act as torturer of the two others. There is a short silence while they digest this information. No, I shall never be your torturer. I wish neither of you any harm and I have no concern with you. None at all. So, the solution is easy enough. Each of us stay put in, in his or her corner and takes no notice of the others. You here, you here, and I there, like soldiers at our post. Also, we mustn't speak, not a single word. That won't be difficult. Each of us has plenty of material for safe communings. I think I could stay 10,000 years with only my thoughts for company. If I go to Cape Island too? Agreed. Estelle after some hesitation. I agree. Alright then, that's settled. Goodbye. He goes to his sofas and buries his head with his hand. There is a long silence. Then Ines begins singing to herself. What a crowd in white friars lane. They sat wrestled in the row with the scaffold and the knife and a pail of brandy low. Come, good folks, to white friars lane. Come to see the merry show. The headsman rose at crack of dawn. He the long day's work in hand, chopping heads of generals, priests, and peers, and admirals, all the highest in the land. What a crowd in white friars lane! See them standing in a line. Ladies all dressed up so fine, but their heads have got to go. Heads and heads roll down below. Come, good folks, to White Friars Lane. Come to see the merry show. Meanwhile, Estelle has been playing her powder puff and lipsticks. 
She looks around for a mirror, fumbles in her bag, then turns towards Karsin. Excuse me, have you a glass? Karsin doesn't answer. Any sort of glass, a pocket mirror will do. Karsin remains silent. Even if you won't speak to me, you may land me a glass. His head still buried in his hand. Karsin ignores her. Don't worry, I have a glass in my bag. She opens her bag angrily. It's gone. They must have taken it from me at the entrance. How tiresome. Estelle shuts her eyes and sways, as if about to faint. Ines runs forward and holds her up. What's the matter? Estelle opens her eyes and smiles. I feel so queer. She pats herself. Don't you ever get taken that way? When I cannot see myself, I begin to wonder if I really and truly exist. I pat myself just to make sure, but it doesn't help much. You're lucky. I'm always conscious of myself in my mind. Painfully conscious, I... Ah, uh, yes, in your mind. But everything that goes on in one's head is so fake, isn't it? It makes one want to sleep. She is silent for a while. I've seen big mirrors in my bedroom. They're there. I can see them, but they don't see me. They're reflecting the carpet, the settee, the window, but how empty it's. A glass in which I'm upset. When I talk to people, I always made sure there was one nearby in which I could see myself. I watch myself talking, and somehow, and somehow it kept me alert. Seeing myself as the others saw me. Oh dear, my lipstick. I'm sure I've put it on all crooked. No, I can't do without a looking glass forever and ever. I simply can't. Suppose I try to be your glass? Come and pay me a visit, dear. Here's place for you on my sofa. But... She points to Karsin. Oh, he doesn't count. But we're going to... To hurt each other. You said it yourself. Do I look as if I wanted to hurt you? One never can tell. Much more likely you'll hurt me. Still... What does it matter? If I've got to suffer, it may as well be at your hands, your pretty hands. Sit down, come closer, closer. Look into my eyes. What do you see? Oh, I'm there. But so tiny I can't see myself properly. But I can, every inch of you. Now ask me questions. I'll be as candid as any looking glass. Estelle seems rather embarrassed and turns to Carson, as if appealing to him for help. Please, Mr. Carson, sir, our culture is not boring you? Carson makes no reply. Don't worry about him. As I said, he doesn't count. We're by ourselves as away. Are my lips alright? Show. No, they're a bit smudgy. I thought it's much. Luckily. She throws a quick glance at Karsin. No one's seen me. I'll try again. 
That's better. No, follow the line of your lips. Wait, wait, wait. I'll guide your hand. There. Yes, that's quite good. It's good as when I come in. Far better. Crueler. Your mouth looks quite diabolical that way. Good gracious, and you say you like it. How maddening not being able to see for myself. You're quite sure, Miss Serrano, that it is alright now? Once you call me Ines, are you sure it looks alright? You're lovely, Estelle. But how can I rely upon your taste? Is it the same as my taste? Oh, how sickening it all is. Enough to drive when crazy. I have your taste, my dear. Because I like you so much. Look at me. No straight. No smile. I'm not so ugly either. Am I not nicer than your class? Oh, I don't know. You scare me rather. My reflection in the glass never did that. Of course, I know it so well. Like something I had tempt, I'm going to smile. And my smile will sink down into your pupils. And heaven knows what it will become. And why shouldn't you tame me? The women gazed at each other, Estelle with a sort of fearful fascination. Listen. I want you to call me Ines. We must be great friends. I don't make friends with women very easily. Not with postal clerks, you mean? Hello, what's that, that nasty red spot at the bottom of your cheek? A pimple? A pimple? Oh, how simply full. Where? There. You know the way they catch larks? With a mirror. I'm your lark mirror, my dear, and you can't escape me. There isn't any pimple, not a trace of one, so what about it? Suppose the mirror started telling lies, or suppose I cover my eyes as he's doing and refuse to look at you, all that loveliness of yours would be waste on the desert tide. No, don't be afraid. I can't help looking at you. I sent turn my eyes away. And I'll be nice to you, ever so nice. Only you must be nice to me, too. Um, are you really attracted by me? Very much indeed. Estelle indicating Garcin by a slight movement of her head. But I wish he'd notice me, too. Of course. Because he's man. You've won, Garcin. Garcin says nothing. But look at her, damn it. Still no reply from Garcin. Don't pretend. You haven't missed a word of what we say.